It is a technological world, and Blaine Kylo, not only the coolest dad in Western Canada, he's a bit of a nerd about all of it. Blainer, welcome back. We missed you last week. Yeah, well, I had a, a tough week, and I just I needed a night to go to bed early, frankly. Hmm. How about that? You're getting old, eh? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, stop it. <laughs> That's kind of the way it goes. Well, we are going to uh, get our technology gripes in here before we're all done. Uh, first, though, let's get started with the technological world and some of the topics that you've set aside for us here on the program, which is really cool. Are we getting right into the, the gaming and the, the VR headsets? You still digging into that with all your time? Yeah, a couple of announcements. So one is was kind of a bit of a surprise. Now, Counter-Strike might not be a game that we talk a lot about, but it's one of the biggest games in the world. It's played by more people than a lot of other games. This is a game that was developed um, as a mod for Valve's Half-Life. So we're going back like to the late 90s when this all came about. And Counter-Strike was actually a mod. So a couple of programmers modified the code for Half-Life and turned it into a multiplayer shooter. And the whole idea is you have got two teams fighting against each other in an attempt to complete missions. And it became really popular as a mod. So popular that Valve went out and hired the two guys that created it, bought the rights to that game, turned it into one of Valve's most popular games of all time. And this summer, there's a free upgrade coming, and it's Counter-Strike 2. So the latest update to this thing was 2012. We are getting a free upgrade in the form of Counter-Strike 2 coming this summer. People who know, know this is actually a really huge deal in the gaming space. Hmm. Why is everyone so excited about this then? I mean, it sounds like people have been quite committed to it for a long time. Yeah, in part because it's a game that is strategic and it's it was one of the first multiplayer games that really enabled you to get together with friends and go up against other groups to see who was best. And so as the community continues to sort of build new maps and figure out new ways to play this, um, it continues actually to be one of the games that people compete in, like at Valve has a, a, a an annual tournament, a Counter-Strike tournament. They pay out a lot of money for some of these things. Um, and so that's why it continues to be a big deal. It's a PC game. It doesn't exist on console. Um, and it really is by the gaming community for the gaming community. And they're the ones that keep it alive. Hmm. Um, the good ones always seem to stick around. Hey, I mean, that's really what this boils down to. That fanaticism really sticks. Yeah, it does. And you know, the fact that this game last update was 2012, what is that? 11 years ago now. And mm -hmm. people are excited because of some of the new things that are coming. And we're not talking about, you know, incredible 4k graphics or anything like that either. This is a pretty simple looking game. Um, some interesting visual updates coming to it. But again, it's because this is the game that people want to play. And that's what makes it popular. Very cool. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com, S-O-L-O-C-O-R-P-S.com, and on the Twitter as well. What do we got next? Um, Ghostwire Tokyo is something that we talked about last year when it came out, exclusive to the PlayStation console. But it was developed by Tango Gameworks, published by Bethesda, which was bought by Xbox and is now an Xbox studio. 
And so to no surprise, after the year of console exclusivity has lapsed, Xbox players can now play Ghostwire Tokyo, and that includes the Spider's Thread expansion that is a free expansion. Um, and if you've got Xbox Game Pass, you get this for free because it's part of the subscription pass. Um, Spider's Thread expansion is also available as a free update for anybody who's got the game on PlayStation. This is a really interesting game, uh, an action-adventure exploration game set in Tokyo, really steeped in Japanese culture, a fun game to explore and get into some of that um, Japanese culture. It's pretty fun. All right, cool stuff. Tour the world in the video game consoles. People don't um, forget about that part. Even like some of the Formula One and those different racing games. Like you, you some some of that stuff is quite legit for going on a tour. If you want to learn things about other cultures, they do a that. really good job of capturing actual places. And Shibuya in particular is is quite compelling in this game. Okay, um, VR games that we tried this week. Cave Digger 2, Dig Harder, was way more interesting than I expected. You're a prospector. No, you're a (laughs) prospector. Yeah, kind of. But you're a prospector in this steampunk world. And so you've got to explore caves to collect and valuable minerals using your pickaxe. You've got a funky revolver that you can use to survive because there's creatures coming after you. It was actually more fun than I thought. Song in the Smoke Rekindled. You're kind of a caveman in this, I guess, and you're exploring this environment and you're collecting berries to eat and crafting arrowheads out of rocks and bone, but it it kept glitching on me. I couldn't progress through the game. I'd get to the same spot every time and, and it wouldn't register that I had done an action. And so I didn't get very far with that. Can't recommend that one. And Gorn, I wanted to like more than I did. It's pitched as a goofball gladiator game in which you kind of whack away at other combatants and you're kind of like remember stretch armstrong kind of this weird soft rubbery um, physics kind of bodies getting smacked around but the mechanics of the movement in this are so difficult that i ended up just kind of standing in one place and waiting for enemies to come to me instead of being able to move towards them. And it's kind of hard to win a gladiator fight that way. So Gorn, I thought was going to be fun, ended up being less fun than I wanted. How has the VR experience been in general? Because I'm curious, that's that's my next one. I've never tried it. I've never tried any of the, even like the, like I was saying, the roller coaster chairs in the mall. So what what is it like? Is it is it, are we at a place where it's worth it now? Um, I have only, of all the games that we've got to try, and I've still got another half a dozen that we haven't even had a chance to work through, there's maybe three or four that are worth playing and that I will come back to. The Horizon game is quite outstanding. Pistol Whip was one of the early ones that we tried, is really good. Res Infinite's another one that's really good. So there are some that are really good and a whole lot, but you know, that's kind of true of all games too. There are some that are real standouts and there's a whole bunch that are kind of meh and that's true about the VR. I will say that the most convincing VR experiences so far are those in which I get to move my body around. So if I'm just kind of sitting still, like I would be if I'm looking at a screen, I don't like that very much and that's also when I start to feel the simulation sickness. I need to be moving around And when I'm moving my body around more, it's a more convincing experience. And I find that I'm not 
feeling nauseous. Interesting. So when you feel like you're moving more naturally versus when everything else is moving around you, perception of everything else moving around you, but you're staying still, your your brain kind of gets confused. Does that make and, sense? And, and that, I think that that's, that's actually a big part of the simulation sickness. Your brain thinks that your body's moving around, but it's not getting any senses from your body that it's moving around. And that disconnect, I think, is where some of the sim sickness comes from. Interesting. Fascinating stuff. Okay. So you've had some tech problems. We've had some tech problems, mine included a MacBook Air that went for a swim. It included mm. a an iPhone stepped on by a horse. It included a different iPhone dropped on a rock, which broke the cameras. It's also uh, consisted of uh, my AirPods going missing. I have the case. What was your uh, little journey? Well, um, n not quite as dramatic as any of those. <laughs> I, I guess I would hope that you had Apple Care on some of those things because uh, maybe Apple yes. Care might have protected one you. Of them, one of them, one of the three, the Apple Care. Yeah. They've um, changed Apple Care, by the way. Read it all because they've changed it all. When I bought that laptop, it wasn't the same. And now you can do ongoing insurance with it. You can. After your first year or two is up, you can actually get a monthly continuous Apple Care, which I discovered with my watch. And I learned more about at the Pacific Center Apple Store that I visited last weekend because a couple of weeks ago, I realized I, I got really frustrated with my iMac. It was just running slow and it was bugging me. And so I went to the system overview and I realized why it was running slower and kind of bugging me because it's 10 years old. And this is the thing that happens with Apple products, I find. Certainly, that's my experience. Uh, Ten years has gone by without me getting to the point where I wanted to try and do something with it. Well, mm -hmm. ten years is a pretty good life for a computer. I'm due for a new computer. So I went to the local Apple store. Um, now, I'm a tech journalist, and so I have access sometimes to information, and I have access to test units and things like that, but anybody can go to an Apple store. And the thing that I liked about that is because I don't actually know everything, I wasn't sure what would be the best replacement for me. And the retail experience that you get in an Apple store will help you solve that problem because the Apple store experts are actually experts. They know the products, they understand what they've got and they aren't on commission. So you don't have to worry about them trying to sell you something really important or really expensive because they're getting a commission on it. And so when I've done this before, I find that I end up coming out with a cheaper option than I thought I was gonna need when I went in because the experts take time to understand what I need and they give me a recommendation to meet those requirements. Now, this time, the most important for me and my olding eyes is more screen real estate. And so I want to be able to power like three screens. And so the solution for me is actually pretty simple because there's only one device, unless I'm going to go for the really cool, expensive Mac studio, mm -hmm. Mac mini with the M2 pro chip is really the only thing out there that will deliver me three monitors at a time. So that's what I'm going to get. Nice. And while I was having this conversation with the Apple person, they took my old iMac that is 15 years old and they recycled it for me. I filled out a little form and the thing disappeared. 
And that was another thing that made the experience great is because you can take your old computer equipment in. If there's any value left in it, you'll actually get a credit on purchasing new stuff. And if there's not, they'll at least recycle it responsibly so you don't have to think about it anymore. Same way I'm looking at going. I have an 18 or 19 iMac. It's a big screen. They don't make the 27-inch screen anymore. This is why I'm not getting an iMac, because that yeah. if they had a 27-inch iMac, that's what I would do. But the only iMacs right now are 24-inch, and they don't have the powerful enough chip to drive multiple monitors off that. You can only drive one additional monitor. Mm -hmm. So that's why, again, Mac Mini, because I want to be able to have three monitors coming off. Which is funny because that was the whole thing about Apple originally was that you didn't have to have a, a computer. It was always built in and integrated. So it's, it's fascinating to go. I'm looking at the same thing going with my, my swimming laptop is that now what do I do? Do I just go with a laptop for now and get back into the Mac mini, which I already have one of the old server Mac minis, but it's mm -hmm. too old to update. Um, but that's, you know, these are the kinds of things that are happening where you're like, well, this doesn't make any sense anymore. And Apple makes great decisions for Apple. But it adds up. But you could go get yourself that 5K monitor for $2,000, by the way. Yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced that Apple monitors, unless you're getting an iMac, I don't think that the Apple monitors are worth the money. You can get better monitors for less going with other manufacturers. I was almost convinced to go with a laptop that can drive extra screens instead of the Mac Mini, but I'm holding out because I believe that there are going to be some higher powered um, MacBook Airs being announced sometime later this year. And so I've decided that uh, I'm going to go with the, the Mac Mini as a desktop and then still run on a laptop later this year. I'll maybe be picking up a laptop because there's rumors of 14 and 16 inch MacBook Airs with the M2 chip. And those things will sing. Mm -hmm. The technology is amazing, and they do last a long time. That Mac Mini that I'm talking about, uh, for my old one, that's 2011. Yeah. So that's how old that one is. My iMac that is uh, here in the kitchen, the extra one I just do my recipes on, that's 2010. Yeah, they right, last. So they, they last. They do, and, and, unless you um, take them swimming. Yes, they are not uh, waterproof like the watches are. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com. It is a technological world, my friend. Thanks for being here. Of course. We'll see you next week.